And so here I am today, a privilege and honor to bring a short word, a brief word, because we've had a sermon deluxe in the testimonies of our two who were baptized. We've enjoyed worship and we've prayed and we've entered in. These are sacred moments. And I believe this morning that you are here by divine appointment. God has a message for us through this fantastic uh, passage as Jesus sets his heart and mind to go to Jerusalem. And it begins as the context opens, not in Bethphage or uh, Bethany where he stayed overnight, but it starts really down in the in the valley of the Jordan, the Jericho that he comes out of. So we're going to follow a journey. There's going to be a couple of milestones with a letter C. So follow along and let the Holy Spirit minister into your heart this morning. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, what a privilege to be in your house. And we have feasted on you already And Holy Spirit, we invite you to take your word and to take these thoughts and to challenge us in the deep core of our souls as we enter this glorious Holy Week, which has so much in it. Lord, be here present. Take my words, Lord, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, it began in Jericho, and Jesus uh, comes through Jericho. He had come from Galilee along the Jordan Valley and through, and amazingly, this final week opens as he leaves Jericho and two men, blind men, desperate beggars, call out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd wanted them to be quiet. Uh, His disciples were with him and he was leaving Jericho. And Jesus stops. And he goes and calls them to him. And he asks the question, what will you have me do for you? That's a lovely, gentle way that Jesus has. We would be, we would see and he takes them aside and touches their eyes and they are, they are free from the blindness. May that be our prayer this morning as we start this journey right there. And away he goes with his disciples and the crowd starts to get an anticipation because this is Jesus going to Jerusalem, clearly. And Jesus, in his heart, has set his mind to Jerusalem. He knows what is coming. In fact, earlier he had told his disciples that he would indeed be taken by the high priest, by the rulers, and he would be tried, he would be, he would be whipped and beaten, and then he would be crucified. And then he would rise on the third day. So his team, his Disciples knew of this, but the crowd didn't. They didn't know that. 
he comes up to Bethany and he stays there overnight at uh, Lazarus and Martha and Mary's home because Lazarus had been raised from the from the dead. And it is amazing that he did that because he came to bring life, as we'll talk to later. And here he is, he sleeps overnight and then leaves Bethany and as we've read, goes to Bethphage. But before he goes, he fulfills prophecy with ordering a cult. It's like putting in a uh, application for a rental car. And he says to his disciples, you, two of you go, and there will be a donkey and the foal of that donkey, a colt, ready, tethered together, bring them to me. And they go, and sure enough, there it is. This uh, older donkey and the mother and the colt. And what is important here is that it fulfills scripture. It fulfills the prophecy. In Zechariah 9, which we can put on the screen, the full prophecy that is enacted by Jesus. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Rejoice greatly, shout, daughter of Zion. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy exactly in a moment of staggering prophetic importance. Why? How so? Because this is act one, scene one of the stage that is now being set in his final week before the cross to fulfill scripture. But more than that, it's an enactment of humility. He doesn't choose a chariot, a golden uh, vehicle uh, with horses and rides in like a military victor that everyone may have, or many would have hoped he would have done. He actually orders a colt, a young, unridden little donkey. Wow. That's typical God. That is so typical God. He takes the weak, the inconsequential, the insignificant, like you and me, and he uses us for his glory. Hallelujah for that. That Jesus here examples that for us. So we've seen the course to Jerusalem. We've talked about the cult. What about the crowd? Now, Jerusalem at that time was a growing city, but it, every year they used to gather now for probably the signature ceremony, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. And they indicated that in, in that which I read, 250,000 extra people would come to Jerusalem, would crowd in. And they camped on in tents all around the city, particularly on the Mount of Olives. And so there was a mass of people gathering for this beautiful ceremony, this time of celebration of the Passover, which was what? 
It's a celebration of their release from bondage from Egypt when they left uh, the Pharaoh's reign. Uh, bread was not leavened, it was unleavened, and they moved out as two million Jews left Egypt to be free. It is significant and fulfilling of prophecy that Jesus comes to his final week to set us free at this time of Passover. So the crowd were expectant, they were, it was large, disciples were there, many pilgrims from around Judea, Palestine, and further afield. There were also many believers, some who had turned to Jesus, were also part of this group. But there were also Romans and Gentiles, because at that time, Judea was under the strong arm, the yoke of Roman rule. And it was, it was onerous. They paid taxes. They were forced to carry burdens, give coats. Uh, there were many small and little riots and uprisings. So the city was in tension and there was an electric feeling because here Jesus comes in possibly to free us, possibly to take away this, this yoke to get rid of this, this oversight of Rome and free us. Um, the zealots of the Jews, the, the radical right wing, they believed this, that this was the Messiah's job. This is what the Messiah was going to do. But here he comes now riding on a colt of a donkey. Hardly a military victor. It was springtime at that time. It's exactly right now in AD 30. And there was the promise of new life and summer coming on. And so there was an expectation of Jesus. I wonder what our expectations of him are today. I wonder in your heart, maybe you don't know him and you, who is this man? The whole city was a buzz. Jesus, the prophet, miracle worker. And so the smaller group that were following him, the crowd, as he left Bethphage, sitting on the donkey, they laid the coats down. They put coats on the ground in front of this donkey to make the path easy going down into the Kidron Valley and then up to the Jerusalem uh, wall and then through the gate. And they laid coats on the donkey as well before so he could sit on that. And what does this tell us? It tells us that coats, our garments, can be laid at the feet of Jesus. Our possessions, our things. And in those days, when you laid a coat down, it was a homage, it was a worship to whoever the uh, victor was coming, riding along. So quite significant. This morning we, we concentrated and we, we sang the cries, the cries of praise. Just to pick that up again, Matthew 21.9 is the passage that is quoted here as the crowd sang in praise. They lifted their voices 
with palm branches waved and waving, they followed going ahead and around and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save, save now. Wow. What an entrance. But what was the kingdom that Jesus was going to bring? We'll come to that because firstly, we need to consider the person with whom we have worshipped this morning, to whom we give homage, the Christ. Sent of the crowd, the word has it, was Jesus. You couldn't get away from that. It wasn't some other apostle or miracle worker. Jesus was central as he comes down the Kidron Valley uh, to go to Jerusalem. His stage is set. His hour is coming. But who is this Jesus? The contrast for me is beautiful, stunning. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah, but this is the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. This is the eternal Jesus now in flesh, riding on a colt. Wow! The creator on a creature as lowly as that. And he humbled himself and became obedient to his father even unto death. This is the humbling of Christ coming into Jerusalem. A staggering moment, act one, scene one of our whole week as we call a sacred assembly. But note the entrance. It's a quiet, in Jesus' heart, a quiet, humble entrance. And that's what he calls us to. A bowing of ourselves in humility. So he's not coming to bring a political solution. He's not coming to bring uh, a do-good, a, uh, a sort of a, a pick yourself up and get better. He's bringing a kingdom of love, of forgiveness, where he himself is the solution. He himself is the sacrifice. Not bringing a violent overthrow. In fact, the very opposite. Respect those, honor those in authority over you. He's bringing a very, very different kingdom to what the world we know expects of Jesus. He brings the kingdom of a heart, a heart change, a forgiveness so needed by our world, so needed by us, because he was going to become the Lamb of God going to a cross. He was going to bear and has borne the full judgment of God on sinful man. He was going to become a savior for you and me. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, 
called for you and me. This is personal. This week, if you can spend some time in Isaiah 53, Isaiah's great prophecy of uh, the Christ who died. And the verse there is beautiful, probably one of the greatest verses in Scripture. Isaiah 53, I think it's verse 6. For we all, like sheep, have turned astray. We've gone, every one, to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sins of us all. And this is his, God's plan now being enacted. You see, life comes through death in the kingdom of God. Jesus brings life to your soul, to your heart, through death. As you die to your own self and your own desires, as you surrender to Jesus, as you receive him as Christ and Lord, through his death and resurrection, you receive eternal life as you believe. Because you see, what Jesus had in front of him when his hour was there to come in the Gethsemane garden was not a victor's crown and big feasts and celebrations in Jerusalem that he rode into. It was a cross. It was a brutal form of execution. Rome was going to do its worst. Man, in their sinfulness, was going to do his worst in an illegal trial. And Jesus was going to be taken and beaten and hung and nailed on a cross. And his blood shed the Lamb of God for you and me. Gee, God's ways are always higher than our ways. And Isaiah, that prophecy in, in Isaiah 53 is beautiful because it was my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of his peace is upon me, was upon him. And by his stripes I'm healed. And that's the gospel. That's the grace. Here we're seeing the start of grace enacted. Undeserved from you and me. But he comes with humility. Yes, child of God, brother and sister in Christ. I don't know how your faith journey is going this morning. Many trials, the pressures of life, and your own prevail with sin and with your own selfish nature, our sinful natures that rise up. What is Jesus bringing to us? He's bringing his lordship. You see, Jesus comes into Jerusalem as a king but he comes into your heart and he invites, he wants to be invited in as king. He wants to reign. And what does that mean? It means, Lord, I'll let you in. Take over every room of my heart. 
And we, we sort of bulk at that. We go, Lord, do you want that area of my heart? Do you want this, this uh, skill that I want for myself? Or that attitude I have or that habit that needs to go? Absolutely. Jesus brings incredible abundant life when he is Lord of all. What don't we get about the word all? He gave all of himself on the cross. He died a, a brutal death, finished the complete work of salvation, and so it is for us as his believers, as Christians, to follow in his steps, dying to ourselves, and letting him by his spirit reign in me completely. As never before in this world, in GTA today, do we need a church who is sold out for God, fully committed, Lord, I'm there and I'm there altogether. And what we see, though, is the world creeping back and clawing those Christians back. Us, we like our worldly habits and our worldly stuff, and the reign of Jesus is an add-on. The Christ who came into Jerusalem on a cult wants all of you and all of me. So what does that take? What does it take? Well, can I invite you this week? It takes a step of surrender, a step of consecration. A single step followed by many. The joy of daily surrender. The joy of living totally for Jesus follows. And so maybe you, you know the Lord, you, you, you know you're forgiven, you're, you're a believer. But he's not Lord of all. Maybe there's areas and attitudes that you need to surrender have you been at the side of your bed or prone on your bed? Have you closed the door and said, Lord, I weep before you. Have all of me. Use all of me. Because that's what he's calling us to. Because he wants to reign. King, Savior, and Lord. And I invite you, I, 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 with, by the Spirit's leading, this week, make it a signature week of consecration to the Christ who wants to be king. You may ask, well, how does this play out? What does it look like to be fully surrendered to God, to Jesus as king? How, do, how does it, what do we, what happens? Well, there's a couple of things that happen. One, you serve others, not yourself. Number two, you know joy that you would have never known before because the Holy Spirit takes control. And his fruit of joy, love, peace, self-control starts to grow. A branch that bears fruit is connected to the vine. But we don't talk about the vine, branch, we talk about the fruit. So Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. 
Wow, Lord, give it all to me daily, joyously, intentionally. And the fruit will happen. Now, when you go to a vineyard and you pick off the grapes, who's the grapes for? It's not for the branch. The grapes are for others. Fruit and, and, and the fruit of the vine is Jesus grows in you that fruit by the Holy Spirit is for others. Not yourself. Third thing is you have peace. You have peace. Divine peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Takes over your heart. Because I'm no longer at war with my Savior about my own pride, about my own self. I've given it to him and I do it daily. The other thing that happens, as I've seen with many of the saints older who've gone the path of full, complete, wholehearted surrender, is that their lives are changed and they are Blessed out of their socks. Now I've still got socks on, and the Lord's doing a work in me as I've committed to that journey. I remember hearing uh, Dr. Alan Redpath preach uh, in South Africa, and this man stood in the pulpit, and the grace of God poured out of him. The hum, the humility of the man. Wow. You remember the last uh, sermon preached, uh, the evangelistic crusade meeting by Billy Graham? That white hair. He stood up in his final, he was 90. That's grace. That's surrender in display. That's Jesus shining through. Moses came down the hill. He was, he was, he glowed with the glory of God. So much so that they could cover his face. And friends, today as I look around, I see echoes of grace. Beautiful Jesus marks on the surrendered saint. Who wouldn't want that? So the call this week is to die on a cross. And let all of Jesus have all of you all of the time. I can't preach it more than that, brothers and sisters. I, I just say, Lord, that's what you are moving your church to, full-on surrender. And we do it willingly. How does that translate? Let's pack this out a little bit before I close. Attitude changes. For example, when I go up into a meeting or when you... Uh, go and visit people. You don't talk about yourself so much. You talk about others. You encourage. You bless. When you're texting on a, on a, on a, on a cell phone, your words are chosen as a surrendered saint. Less of me, more of him. What I watch on television, Lord, King Jesus, you're in my heart. I switch off. I'm not going to watch that. 
We're called to be wholly surrendered people. Habits. Oh, my brother and sister, if there's stuff in your life that God does not like, surrender to him because that's what he wants. That's what pleases him. And so today as we have journeyed up to Jerusalem as a prelude to the hour that was to come, those words of Jesus in his hour Thy will be done. Father, can you take this cup from me? I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to bear all the sin. But thy will be done. And look at the blessing that flowed when he gave himself in love for you and me. Forgiveness, his body, and in eternity where he is glorified. Who would not want that? I certainly do. But it is a journey. The Holy Spirit will lead you day by day to a deeper surrender, a deeper walk with him, if you choose it. Do that today. Here's a, a, a fabulous and very Poignant, inspired hymn that was written by George Matheson, the 1800s Scottish minister. In his midlife, he was distressed. Uh, he had lost a fiance who didn't want to marry him because he was going to be without sight. And he writes this incredible hymn that has been sung. It's a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. And I close with this. O oh, love that will not let me go, arrest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow would richer, would fuller be. O oh, light that follows all my way, I yield my flickering, weak human torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray that in thy sunshine blaze its day would brighter, fairer be. For those of you going through pain, O joy that seeketh me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain, that morn shall tearless be. O cross, that lifteth up my head. I dare not fly to ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust my life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms red life that shall endless be. Let's pray together before Brother Sheldon leads us at the communion. Father, we've heard you today and we glorify your Son, Jesus. And we choose, Lord, in these days that lie ahead 
to give ourselves totally to you. King Jesus, reign in our hearts, we pray. Take full control for your glory. Lord, these are sacred moments and you're calling us to choose today to be all out for you. May that be that. We give ourselves to you and may your children and ourselves and myself surrender. We love you, Lord. Thank you for going to the cross. And as we celebrate, reflect, more than linger over this holy week, may your Holy Spirit take full control as we give ourselves to thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.